Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. And so before we did our Faith and Family in the Fall series, we do that once a year, we teach on faith, family, and relationships. We launched our new vision statement and mission statement for the church. We said our vision statement is to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. Our mission statement, we do this consistently, we can achieve our vision statement. So our mission statement is to create an environment where anyone can experience the love of God, understand his word, and become a part of a family that radically impacts our communities and the world. That's what we do every Wednesday and every Sunday. Last week, in preparing your family for 2019, part four, If you missed that message, you can see that on YouTube as well as on our podcast and online. We saw that the early church positioned themselves to receive God suddenly because they were on mission or doing what God had instructed them to do. The early church positioned themselves to receive God suddenly because they were on mission or doing what God had instructed them to do. If we as individuals and as a church family are on mission, we can position ourselves for God suddenly as well. There are seasons and series where the Lord would have us focus on ourselves, such as the House of Faith series that we just finished. But even as we work on ourselves, we must never forget our mission. The Lord will also bring seasons and series to remind us to help us get on mission. And Operation Glory, the series we're starting today, is one of those series. So let's get on mission and get ready for our suddenly. Say, get ready ready. for a suddenly. So earlier this year, we had said by the Lord had told us this would be a year of fullness, overflow, and glory. Beginning of the year, we talked about fullness. Earlier this year, we talked about overflow. So now let's talk about glory. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we'll start with verse 6. This is also our Christmas series. You know, when you do Christmas series, we usually hear people tell the account from Matthew. He was one of the 12 disciples there with Jesus. We also see the account from Luke, and Luke wasn't there walking with Jesus. He was part of Paul's apostolic team. So one of the things we know about Luke is he went and interviewed people, and the Holy Spirit led him how to write the gospel. Imagine if you were the one assigned by God to interview the Virgin Mary. Imagine that interview, going to go sit down with her and ask her questions about how it all went on. And so you see the early part of Luke, how Luke is saying, yeah, this is what she was thinking. This is what was going on on the inside of her. So Luke investigated. But recently I've been thinking, How would the Apostle Paul tell the Christmas story? We saw how the Holy Ghost led Matthew to do it. We saw how the Holy Ghost led Luke to do it. But how would the Holy Ghost lead Paul to do it? So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Classic Edition. Notice what Paul says here. Yet when we are among the full grown, the spiritually mature Christians who are ripe in understanding, we do impart a higher wisdom, the knowledge of the divine plan previously hidden. But it is indeed not a wisdom of this present age or of this world, nor the leaders and rulers of this age who are being brought to nothing and are doomed to pass away. But rather, what we are setting forth is a wisdom of God once hidden, say hidden, from human understanding, now revealed to us by God that wisdom which God devised and decreed before the ages for our glorification to lift us into the glory of his presence. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4 and 5 and 9, Paul says, Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge and the mystery of Christ. Say mystery. 
Mystery here means divine secret plan or purpose. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Say mystery. Which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God. Say hid in God. Who created all things by Jesus Christ. Colossians 1 verse 26. Even the mystery. Say mystery. Which has been hid. Say hid. From ages, from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints. Last one. Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery. Say mystery. mystery. Which was kept secret. Say secret. Since the world began. See, if Paul was telling the Christmas story today, I believe he would use secret agents. So why would he do that, Pastor? Follow me. Picture it this way. For millennia in the past, there was a mysterious file hidden in God marked top secret. It was so well hidden that no man knew exactly what was in the file. You see, there were anointed prophets in the Old Testament who would prophesy about what was in the file, but they still didn't know what was in the file. They would see around it. They could see its importance. They would even say things that may be in the file, but they had no idea what it meant. They did not understand what was in the file. It was a mystery or a divine secret hidden in God. And think, well, when Jesus came, it was all revealed. No, because if that was the case, by the time Paul came around, it wouldn't be a secret anymore. See, this was stuff Peter didn't even know. See, Peter walked with Jesus for three years, but there were some secrets that he still didn't even get. John, Jesus told John secrets, but John didn't even know this. James, the other disciples didn't know this. But Paul, like a secret agent. See, I pictured it like the original Mission Impossible from 96. When Tom Cruise is lowered into that CIA room. The temperature is being monitored. He catches the sweat from dropping. So he can get the top secret file from the computer. That's like how the apostle Paul was to get the secret. Because you can tell in his writings, he says, it is my call to proclaim the mystery of the gospel of Christ. It is my job to tell the divine secret that I got. Where did he get it from? It was hidden God. See, Paul was big on mysteries. You see all throughout his writings. That's why you see in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, when you pray in other tongues, when you pray in the Spirit, you pray out mysteries. Paul told the church at Corinth, I pray in tongues more than all of you put together. So he says, I'm praying out mysteries beyond all of you put together. So that's how he got some of his revelation concerning what's in this top secret file. He spent time praying in the Holy Ghost. He spent time praying in other tongues, lowering in to get the top secret file. To share what is in it. For millennia past, men and women of God had no idea what was in the file. That was hid before the foundations of the world. So if Paul was telling the Christmas story today, I think he would use secret agents. And the thing is, you couldn't start with the birth of Jesus to tell the story right. I don't think Paul would start with the angel appearing to Mary. I think Paul would take it all the way back to the beginning. So go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. How would Paul tell this story that we're going to call Operation Glory? Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. 
Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image. Say image. After our likeness. Say likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, over all the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own, say image. And the image of God he created he him, male and female created he them, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish, or fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl there, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Now let's look at a parallel account of the creation of man. Go to Psalm 8. Psalm 8, a parallel account of the story of creation. Psalm 8, according to Hebrews, some people believe an angel originally sang this song. Psalm 8, verse 3 says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, we saw in the first few days of creation, the angel has this question, what is man that you are mindful of him? Why do you have man on your mind and what is he in the first place? And the Son of Man, you visit him. We as angels appear before you, but you go and visit this man. For you've made him a little lower than the angels. That phrase, lower than angels, in Hebrew is Elohim. So other translations say a little lower than God himself. Because imagine, God said loudly, the whole universe heard, let us make man in our own image and in our likeness. So you know the angels are going, what is a man? There was never a position before between angels and God. They knew God. They knew archangels. They knew angels. And there was the rest of creation. But God created a class between the archangels and God. And you have crowned him. Say crowned. With glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. And you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea. The word crown here means enveloped and surrounded. Enveloped and surrounded. Because a lot of times when people think of the Garden of Eden, think of different Bible stories or pictures they colored in growing up, and they think that, you know, they're just walking around the garden butt naked. No, they were clothed. See, everything God has made, we see in this natural order, clothes itself from the inside out. That's how man was originally designed. But let me show you. Adam and Eve, if you can come help me. Frank and Ron, if you can come help me again. Adam and Eve, everybody. Adam and Eve were clothed or enveloped or surrounded with the very glory of God. The verse says they were crowned with glory and honor. That's a familiar phrase because in 2 Peter, it says that Jesus received honor and glory from the Father on the Mount of Transfiguration. Well, how did Jesus look like when he received honor and glory? The gospel writer said his face shone like the sun and his clothes were shining white light. In Ezekiel chapter 1, it says the heavenly Father looks like a shining light or fire from the waist up and from the waist down. So in the Garden of Eden, God created them in his image and his likeness. Adam and Eve looked just like Jesus on the mount. They looked just like the Heavenly Father. They were clothed in the glory of God, shining in the glory 
of God. Now go to chapter 3. Adam and Eve, clothed in the glory of God, made in the image and likeness of God. Now, Coach Tony volunteered in the first experience, so you can come. This is not him in real life, but welcome the serpent, everybody. <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead and give them your snake impressions. Thank you. Now, the serpent was more crafty than all the beasts of the field. Now, remember, at this time, there's only two things, two places on the earth. There's the garden, and there's the field. So before Satan could even stop, start his plan, Adam and Eve could have stopped the serpent from coming in. Why are you coming over here? You don't even belong here. You belong in the field, not the garden. See, sometimes you get in trouble not because you just sinned immediately. It's because you left stuff in your house that never was supposed to be there in the first place. That they could have used the authority and the dominion and stop right there, and he could not have come any farther because they were given dominion and authority and the glory of God. But they let something in the house that had no place and no purpose in being there. And then the snake, as crafty as he is, disrespects Adam, walks by him because the Bible says he was standing there the whole time and went and talked to his woman. So Satan goes up and says, what's up, girl? Ignoring him standing right there. And see, Satan always brings doubt into the equation. Did God really say? Are you sure about it? You know, instant stories disappear after 24 hours. Did God really say you're not supposed to eat of that tree? Are you sure? And she says, yes, God said it. I'm not going to eat it, and I'm not going to touch it. Now, God didn't say you couldn't touch it. Adam added that. And then he begins to twist God's words. He says, no, you're not going to really die. God knows that on the day that you eat it, your eyes will be open, and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. Now, see, that's the trick of the enemy still today, not just doubt, but trying to make people become something they already are. Try to take them on a path to receive something that God has already provided. You see, the thing is, Satan came to them and said, you'll be like God. They already were. God gave them dominion. God put them on charge of the earth, and he clothed him, them in the glory of God. They looked just like God. They were the gods of this planet. Well, how do you know that? Because when they fell, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says Satan is the god of this world. How did he get that position? How did he get that title? He took it from Adam when he sinned. So Satan's trying to trick them to become something they already are. And that's frustrating, trying to live your life to become something you already are. And so he enters that deception. And then Eve looks at the fruit. The tree, it looks good. Smells good. I think it probably tastes good. And God's got it twisted. I don't know why he didn't think I should know this information in the first place. She eats of the fruit. And has it, hands it to Adam, who says nothing. <laughs> and eats the fruit as well. And then something happened, you know, got kind of drafty. They felt a breeze. They looked at themselves, and they saw that they were naked. And so they tried to cover themselves up. And they made fig leaf suits. How many know that's uncomfortable? That's itchy. That can't be good. 
But see, people still do that today to substitute the glory. They cover themselves with fig leaf suits, something they can create, something they can make. They substitute God's original plan, God's best, and they say, well, see, don't you like my design of fig leaves? Well, no, no, no. See, I got these fig leaves in church. I was religious. I did all the right things. There's still fig leaves when it's substituting for God's best, the glory of God. So they make their fig leaf suits. And here comes God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Hey, Adam, where are you? See, when God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't already know the answer. And then they are afraid. See, fear has entered the picture after sin came in. And they went to hide themselves. But really, where can you hide that God can't find you? So they didn't hide that well. And so Adam says, finally he says something. We were naked and we were ashamed. I'm afraid so we hid from you. God says, who told you you were naked? Then the blame game starts. Adam goes, it is that woman you gave me. It was your idea. I was fine. Living in the garden. Enjoying talking to the animals. It was Chronicles of Narnia up in that piece. I was having a great time. But then you said it wasn't good for me to live alone. You said that I need a woman. And see, now that woman just screwed this whole thing up. But Eve is not going to go, no, you ain't going to put this on me. It was that snake that you made. He tricked me. He should be my shoes, but he tricked me. So their actions have consequences because every action is a seed and it produces a harvest. So he tells the serpent, for the rest of your days, you're going to slither on the ground. You're going to eat dust. I'm going to put enmity between your seed and her seed, the seed of the woman. But women don't have seed, but remember that. You were bruises healed, but he's going to crush your head. Thank you, serpent. Then he turns to Eve and says, this is what's going to happen because of what you did. Then he turns to Adam and says, this is what's happening because of what you did. He says, Adam, cursed is the earth because of you. Now, did it say God cursed the earth? No. He said, Adam, cursed is the earth because of who? The blessing that was on Adam became a curse. Adam cursed the planet. And now God told Adam, now the earth is not going to cooperate with you. It's going to produce thorns. It's going to produce thistles. It's going to fight you. And you're going to have to earn a living from the sweat of your brow. This is what happened to them when they fell. And God says, you can't stay in the garden because if they ate the tree of life, they'll be caught in this condition forever. So he kicks them out of the garden, and they have to go live a different life after the fall. You guys can be seated. Now, see, after Adam and Eve, what happened? They did not immediately die. It took almost 1,000 years. They were kicked out of the garden. But Paul sheds light on what else happened. Romans 5.12 says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for all that have sinned. Wait a minute, wait a minute, guys, don't sit down yet. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Come back. But wait a minute. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and it says, sin entered into the world, and death came through sin, and it passed upon all men, but he didn't die. You would think Satan failed. It took Adam on almost another thousand years to die. There was almost no immediate effects that you could see. Everything seemed normal. Okay, yeah, we can't be in the garden. Yes, it's going to be a little bit harder right now. Just first reading, first glances, you would think, well, yeah, it's a little bit tougher for them. But remember, Paul's telling the story. Because Romans chapter 3, verse 23 is what happened to them. 
there was an immediate change. Because Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the... When they sinned, the glory lifted off of them. They're no longer clothed in glory. They no longer look like Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. They no longer look like their Heavenly Father. The glory has departed. Their image has changed. Because now they've switched masters. Satan is now their master. And they took his nature. They took his image. One that is marred by sin and dominated by death. No more glory. And now they're sold into sin. It looked just a little bit tougher. And first reading, you think, well, nothing really happened. See, that's why sin is so deceptive. Because just because you're sinning to see a media harvest, you can stay in sin. But sin will always take you longer and make you stay longer than you want to stay. Make you pay a greater amount than you want to pay. So just because something that happened immediately, don't think, well, it doesn't have a consequence. Actions are seeds. They produce harvest. And so some things were immediate before them. And other things happened over time. Adam and Eve, you can sit down. Adam, don't get too comfortable. I'll need you again in a moment. Go to Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Remember, Paul's telling the story. I've heard it said before that we see what happened in the life of Jesus in the Gospels, but the writings of Paul are the behind-the-scenes story. It's the x-ray of what was going on. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. As you turn there, Romans 3, 24 says, being justified or acquitted or declared not guilty freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Say redemption. Redemption is a very important part of the top secret file. So let's look in Galatians 4, 4 to see what the Holy Spirit said through the Apostle Paul concerning it. It says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman. Notice that phrase. Made under the law. To redeem, say redeem. redeem. Them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Jesus made of a woman is the seed of the woman in Genesis 3. Jesus made of a woman is the seed of a woman in Genesis 3. Remember, as I said, the woman does not have seed. But let me define a term, Redemption. Redemption means to buy back. It means a change of owners. Redemption means to buy back. It means a change of owners. Redemption views man as born into the slave market of sin due to Adam's original sin. Redemption views man as born into the slave market of sin due to Adam's original sin. Say it one more time. Redemption views man as born into the slave market of sin due to Adam's original sin. So why is it important that Jesus was born of a virgin? He said, oh, that sounds nice. We sing it round, young virgin, mother and child. It's a nice Christmas song. But it's essential to your redemption that Jesus be born of a virgin. How does it connect to the top secret file? Go back to Genesis 1. Let me show you. How does it connect to the top secret file? That Jesus had to be born 
of a virgin. Made of a woman, made under the law, born of a virgin. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Look at it again. And God said, let us make man in our image. Say image. After our likeness, say likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own. And the what? Of God created he him. Male and female created he them. We see in chapter 2, verse 7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God created you in his image. Your spirit is exactly like God. God created you in his image. Your spirit is exactly like God. He made your bodies in his likeness. Your spirit is in his image. Your bodies is in his likeness. One of the things we see in the Gospels, it was all made through Jesus. The Gospel of John states that all things were made by him or through him. Now go to Genesis 5. And if you can come back. Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of generations of Adam. And the day that God created man, and the likeness, say likeness, of God made he him, male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam, and the day they were created, and Adam lived 130 years, and begat a son in his own what? After his what? And called his name Seth. Now, why is that a problem? We just read it. Okay, okay, cool. Seth was in Adam's image and likeness. So, Brother Robert, you be Seth for me. So, we said likeness of Adam and Seth is similar. Because their bodies are made in the likeness of God. But the image had changed. His spirit wasn't alive to God anymore. It was now dead. It was dominated by death. It was marred by sin. So although he produced a body in his physical likeness, spiritually, he also passed the same image. Do you begin to see a problem? Because then Seth's going to have a son. Made in his likeness, but also in his brother Lonnie. In the likeness, but also in the image. Because then Seth's going to have a son. But it's still going to be in the likeness and the image. The likeness is not an issue, but the image is the issue. Because now they all have images dominated by death and marred by sin and no glory. It keeps going. Minister David, let me use you now. It keeps going and keeps going. The likeness of Adam keeps going down. The image does not change because Adam accepted Satan as his master and took on his nature. So Adam keeps passing that image down. See, redemption views man as sold into the slave market of sin. Redemption views man as sold into the slave market of sin. A son of a slave is still a slave. A son of a slave is still a slave. A slave doesn't make anything. A slave makes zero. So there's no way a slave can buy himself out of slavery. But what if the slave works 10 times as hard, does everything right, Tries to live perfect. Tries to keep the entire law. 
It's blameless in the sight of others. Does everything right. Does all the churchy things. He still makes nothing. So even if he does everything right, there's no way at all he can get out of the slave market of sin. Even if he worked 10 times as hard. Because a slave cannot free a slave. That's why Buddha can't save you. That's why Muhammad can't save you. Because they're all in the slave market of sin too. A slave cannot free a slave. Only a free man can free a slave. But Satan thinks, I got this wrapped up. Because everybody born has my image. Everybody born is a slave of sin. Everybody born is dominated by death. How in the world can God get somebody in this planet without going through the Father? Because the Father passes down the lineage of sin and of death and of darkness and no glory. God can't possibly, not at all, get someone in the earth outside of this process. But there was something in the top secret file. That was hidden God before the foundations of the world that Satan had no clue about. Minister Isaac, if I can use you again. Because what if, just what if God could get somebody in the earth born of a virgin outside of the slave market process? Because if he was born of a virgin, he'll be born as a free man. And only a free man can set slaves free. And because Jesus came to redeem us, to buy us back, to change our owners, the free man came and opened up the slave market so everybody can make a choice and walk on out. Be free and walk on out. That's why it's essential to your redemption that Jesus was born of a virgin. He was born as the free man. And only a free man can set people free. You can't earn your way free. You can't do a whole bunch of good works and get yourself in heaven. It doesn't work that way. The image has been messed up. But if you receive Jesus, the image can change. See, in Christianity, it's not about what you do. It's all about what Jesus did. And do you believe him enough to believe that his work was enough? It's all about what he did, coming as the free man. That was in the top secret file. That I'm going to handle this image issue. I'm going to handle this sin issue. Jesus handled it so well that sin is a non-issue to God. So, well, Pastor, how could you say that? Why could sin be a non-issue to God? God already handled it in Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean you sin and do all types of crazy stuff. No, you live right because you're supposed to live right. But you can do that because Jesus came and fixed your image. Go back to 1 Corinthians 2. See, that's why in that secret file, Isaiah had prophesied, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and we shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. He didn't know why it was so important, but he was prophesying about that top secret file. Adam sinned and lost it all. But Jesus came as the second and the last Adam to gain it all back. That's why Paul in this writing calls Jesus the second Adam. In another place, the last Adam. 
Because 1 Corinthians 15 22 says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Verse 46, And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a life-giving spirit. And verse 47, the first man is of the earth, the earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. This was the top secret plan of God. This was hidden in him before the foundations of the world. This is operation glory. This is what was in the top secret file. So we go back to 1 Corinthians 2. Verse 6, he says, yet when we are among the full grown, spiritually mature Christians who are ripe in understanding, we do impart a higher wisdom. The knowledge of the divine plan that was marked top secret, previously hidden. So when Paul was with the right group, people who have grown up and were doing what God said, he says, hey, 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 I got to tell you what's in the top secret file. So come on, Cam. There's something in the top secret file. It was hidden in God before the foundations of the world. And so he would go to them and pass on the top secret file. <laughs> now you might say, well, Pastor, you use Mission Impossible as an example. Why are y'all dressed like men in black? You have to see next week. See, next week is called the agency. Don't miss next week. We do impart a higher wisdom, the knowledge of the divine plan previously hidden, but is indeed not a wisdom of this present age or of this world nor the leaders and rulers of this age who are being brought to nothing and are doomed to pass away. But rather what we are setting forth is a wisdom of God once hidden from the human understanding and now revealed to us by God that wisdom which God devised and decreed before the ages for our glorification to lift us into the glory of his presence. None of the rulers of this age or world perceived and recognized and understood this. For if they had, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Satan not, did not know what was in the top secret file. He didn't realize he was tripping into God's plan. Because if he knew what was in the top secret file, he would have never messed with Jesus. If he knew, if he messed with Jesus, glorification could happen. The image could be reversed. He would have said, Jesus, I'm going to leave you by yourself. You're all bad by yourself. I'm staying away from you. But Satan didn't know. So God rope-a-doped him. And Satan tripped in to God's plan and crucified the Lord of glory so what's in that top secret file could manifest. It was all part of God's plan, not just to get us out of the slave market of sin. That's part of it. But it was also part of God's plan to restore the glory to man. It was God's top secret plan to lift us up into the glory of his presence. Glorification within redemption was always God's plan. Go to Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 is why we call this Operation Glory. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons unto what? To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. This is the real mission behind the Christmas story. It's twofold. The real mission behind the Christmas story is twofold. To souls 
and the glory. Souls and the glory. To get people out of the slave market of sin and restore the glory to them. We'll look at this more next week. The Bible is the story of the glory. God wants to give the glory back to man. See, when you're born again, you receive the glory of God. Whether you knew you did or not, you have glory on the inside of you. You have glory upon you. You got more glory than you think you got. As we talked about in last month in the series, you got more in your house than you think you got. You got more in your spiritual junk drawer than you think you got. You've discounted what God already did. And I'm not talking about what God is going to do. I'm talking about what he already did through Jesus. You have more glory in you and more glory on you than you ever thought possible. So we have to get on mission here, faith. For our mission is the same mission behind the Christmas story. We must do anything short of sin to win people to Jesus. And we must be those who operate in the glory of God. We must be willing to do anything short of sin to win people to Jesus. And we must be those who operate in the glory of God. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. You can operate in the glory or you can get people saved. What what do you want to do? No, you can do both. It's our mission. We have to get on mission, especially if you want to receive God suddenly. So let's ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. Let's get on mission. Stand to your feet. That's why Jesus came. There was in the top secret file that Jesus volunteered for. That I'll get them out of the slave market. I'll restore glory to them. This was the plan all along. See, there's more in that file that we didn't get to today. But we'll see it in the weeks to come. This is Operation Glory. God's plan to restore man. So we've said it before this year that grace as a mentality is God wanting to treat you like sin never happened. Not that you never sinned, but that Adam never sinned. That's the mentality of grace. The desire of God to treat you like sin never even happened. That's why he sent Jesus. So in the midst of this Christmas season, all the business comes with it. As we enjoy all the things and the holiday lights, the Christmas programs, the Hallmark specials that are the same story each and every time. (laughs) The Christmas carols. The lights, all these fun things. Let's not forget the real mission. That although we enjoy all these good things and all the nostalgia and all the extra cookies we're eating that we probably shouldn't be eating, but we're gonna eat anyways this month. Let's not forget the real mission that Jesus came to get us out of the slave market and restore us to glory. And when we realize that and we think of that, We understood and understand why the shepherds came to worship. Why the angels broke out in heaven and began to sing and exclaim. Why magi a couple years later came and bowed down and worshiped Jesus. Why when they brought Jesus to be dedicated in the temple, the prophet and the prophetess showed up and began to declare what God was going to do. We see the marvel of it. That's why we sing, oh, come let us adore. For he alone is worthy. 
will praise his name forever. He is Christ the Lord. So we adore him because he's worthy. See, you read the book of Hebrews, even God the Father says Jesus is worthy. Can you imagine God the Father on the throne looking at Jesus the Son? You're worthy to receive all glory. You're worthy to receive all honor. You're worthy to receive all power. You're worthy to receive all praise because you went as the Lamb of God and took the place for mankind, bore the sins of the entire world, and was raised again for their justification so they can be declared not guilty. That's why we adore him. That's why we worship. So, Minister Dathan, let's sing that song before we go. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore Go ahead and sing it with them. market of sin. Thank you for washing us in your own blood, presenting us pure and spotless to your Father in heaven. Thank you for adding us to your family. See, he did it so well. You read the book of Hebrews, he said, he's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. He's not ashamed of you. I don't care what you did. God is not ashamed of you. God is not ashamed to call you my brother. God is not ashamed to call you my sister. God is not ashamed to call you his family. Jesus said in Hebrews, I will share with them everything forever. They're with me. See, people get excited if celebrities say, yeah, they're with me. See, when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to say, they're with me. 
but it doesn't have to start in heaven on this earth while we're walking through life when you have situations going through and you need breakthrough just look at Jesus and he says there with me he said well I have sickness and disease in my body but he came and bore your sickness and your disease so when you have sickness disease hit your body just look at Jesus and he says there with me when you have a financial need, just remember that he is the bread of life. He is your provision. Just look at him and he'll say to your financial situation, there with me. When you're getting lost in anxiety and depression, you don't know what to do, remember he is the prince of peace. And he promised you peace that passes all understanding. So look at your circumstance. Look at your situation. Look at your stress. Look at your anxiety. And then look at Jesus and he'll say, there with me. That's why he's worthy. He paid the price for us to receive everything. Isaiah 54 says he'll divide his portion with the great. He'll divvy up his portion with the strong. And because of what Jesus did, we're now the great. We're now the strong. Jesus went through everything, received every reward possible, and decided, I'm going to share with you all. I'm not ashamed of you. He came open the slave market of sin. You see, when Adam sinned and Satan got control, he demanded that all men die. But when Jesus came, paid the price, died, and was risen again, he demanded that all men have a choice. Jesus came and opened the slave market of sin. He opened the door, but he won't force you out. You have to make a decision to walk out. He won't make you do it. He opened the door. He loosened the chains. You just have to make a decision to walk out. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.